Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Now, on this show, one of the things I strive to do is to interview really cool people talking about really cool things. And sometimes I just have to have repeat guests. Jessica Pettit holds the record. If this was Saturday Night Live, they would give her a jacket. She holds the record for being on this show the most times. I think this is her fifth appearance, either solo or in a group interview. And the thing about Jessica is she's a former stand-up comic. She is a professional speaker. She is a consultant. She is an expert on diversity issues. And she's also a person who has a lot of opinions on things. And as a podcast host, we got talking about podcasting the other day. And one of the things Jessica has decided to do this year as part of her marketing, but also to stretch herself and learn and grow, is she has decided that she wants to be a guest on a podcast once a week. Now, before this year, she's probably appeared on 40 or 50 podcasts uh, just from being active in the community she's involved in. But this year, she has set an intention to do one interview a week. And we're almost halfway through the year. And what Jessica has learned is that being on podcasts, this can be a great way to market yourself, to build your brand, to show your credibility. However, she has a couple of bones to pick with mistakes that podcasters make. Now, as a podcaster, I was like, really, Jessica, you want to tell me what's wrong with my brethren, the people who put in the long hours to produce and promote their shows? And she said, yes, I do. So I said, come on, cool things entrepreneurs do, and let's talk podcasting. So we are going to talk about the five mistakes that podcasters make when interviewing guests and setting up their interviews. And then we're going to flip it around and we're going to talk about the five mistakes that guests make. Because as she had complaints about podcasters, I had some observations about what some of the guests do. So we thought this would be a very interesting episode for those of you who listen to this show, because many of you have your own podcasts, or you want to start your own podcasts, or you want to be on the shows to promote your own business. So hopefully in the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to have a really interesting conversation about mistakes that are being made on both sides of the microphone. So Jessica Pettit, welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for having me. And with that set up, I'll never get another interview again. <laughs> <laughs> the podcasters are going to be like, no, don't interview her. She's critiquing us. Right. I am critiquing, but I'm critiquing because this can be a win for the podcaster and the guest. There's just a couple of things from my perspective that need to be cleaned up a little bit. Observations. So let's back up a step. How come you decided not to start your own podcast? Why did you say, nope, this year I'm going to be on 52 shows? Uh, that's a really good question. And interestingly, a lot of the podcasters I've been scheduling have asked, why don't you just do this yourself? And the thing is, number one, I don't really want to. I well, mean, well, I'm going to tell you right now, that is the best answer not to have a podcast. Because if you don't want to do it, it, I do this show twice a week. It's a lot of work. Yeah, I travel a lot. I think I'm a good guest. I think I could be a good interviewer, but I don't want to. There's too many good podcasts out there. And I think I'm a good guest that I might as well support what already exists. So you're a consumer of podcasts. Before we get into the mistakes people make, what do you, what do you like about the venue of podcasts? 
the thing I, I listen to a lot of different kinds of podcasts. And for me, it's where I do my learning. It's where I do my reading. It's where I do my uh, thinking. But it's uh, I listen to things that aren't necessarily connected to what I'm talking about or what my content area is. And it drives my own creativity. And I like that that can happen while I'm waiting for an airplane or on a treadmill or when I can't sleep at night at a hotel. So it's learning and really building a sense of intrigue that leads to my creativity when I I want it to. So that's what I love about podcasts. So, you know, as an entrepreneur and most of the people who listen to the show, they're either entrepreneurs or small business owners or they want to be. So you think this is just like having a, a university in your iPhone that you can download any topic anytime. It, yeah, absolutely. There's so many creative people out there and there's there's too much, right? Too much to read, too much to stay on top of. So when you find someone that I really like that they think differently than me, then and I get to listen inside their own minds in a way that I appreciate when it's convenient for me, then it just inspires my own creativity. So you've now done probably close to 100 shows between what you've done before this year and the 40 some odd shows you've probably been on so far, however many weeks we are into this year. Let's talk about your five mistakes that you think podcasters make when dealing with guests. So how do you you want to set this up? Yeah, so they're not my mistakes. They're the mistakes that I have experienced trying to support someone else's podcast. So we were coming up with these lists that if I were to narrow it down to five things podcasters should think about or really pay attention to to make it easier for the guest. So the first one, we're just going down the list. Is that cool? So the first one that I really came up with is be organized. Specifically, if you're trying to get a guest who travels a lot or is on a book tour or something like that. I expect the podcaster to know what time zone they're in, what if they have a schedule as to what days they record or not, like know that, have an automated calendar system or something, know what information they're going to need from a guest and what their preferred platform is on doing the actual podcast. It's amazing to me the number of podcasters that ask me or they say like, how about Wednesday? Great. Which Wednesday? What time? What time zone are you in? So then to, to get the booking in the first place is a lot of emails back and forth. And then after doing all of that, this is still the first one, they cancel at the very, very last minute. Things happen, that's totally fine. But if you have an automated system, you can reschedule it really easily. So that's interesting because we talked a lot about this before we went on the air. You've done some 30 plus shows just this year. How many times like the day of has the podcaster said, oh, we can't do this today? Uh, at least three day of, and I say it probably goes up to 10 if we talk about 24 to 48 hours notice. So if you have blocked, you know, I mean, if you're doing most shows that I'm on anyway, when I'm a guest or a half hour, this show's about a half hour. If you've blocked a half hour and really you have to block an hour because there's a little bit of chat beforehand, a little bit afterwards. If you've blocked an hour of your day and you're busy, you're traveling, you're talking to different people, you're doing different things. If you've blocked an hour of your day and then at the last minute or even a few hours out, 12 hours out, I say, oh, can't do it. What does that do to your schedule? Well, it, it kind of bleeds into the number two as well, is that my schedule is dependent on that hour. That hour, I have to be in a quiet place because I respect the fact that I'm being recorded. I need to be in a quiet space, have good internet service, good cell phone service, and be focused on the theme of your particular podcast. So then when you cancel, I just wasted probably more than an hour. And the second one is sometimes it's been a surprise 
that it's a video or a surprise that it's not a video. So the prep time, if I'm in a hotel, let's say, and I'm under the impression that it's going to be videoed because of the conversations we've had or the forms you've even given me, I might rearrange the furniture in a hotel room so that there is a nice backdrop so that the video looks really nice. And then they come up and they're like, oh, I don't feel like videoing today. So, so you're saying that you actually make sure you pick up your underwear and make sure that the bed isn't looking like, you know, the Russian army, you know, put on a shirt, wash my hair, and then it's not videoed. And then it can also happen the other way. So I'm always scared now that I'm going to be surprised by video. So now I do that, even if it's not set up to be video. And sometimes that's paid off because sometimes they're like, oh, we've decided to do video because you're so fun. And you can't really surprise people like that. Um, so it takes a lot of time. And then going back to number one, if they cancel it, you're frustrated. So I actually have found that when I've gone on shows, my, my assumption because of the way I consume podcasts, and this is a totally biased, you know, from my own rose colored glasses, I assume we're going to be audio only. Now, as someone who records, I often record with the video on so the person and I can see each other and we can give kind of visual cues and nods. Uh, but even then, I have found a lot of my guests want to know that in advance because a lot of my guests... Uh, they're willing to be on video, whether for recording or just that site to site thing. However, if they haven't showered or they just got back from a run, you know, men and women alike, just sometimes they're like, mm, I really don't need you to see me today. Absolutely. And again, that comes from the organization up front. That leads us to our next one, which is some people ask for a lot of information up front, volunteer a lot of information like this is exactly, exactly everything it's going to be. And you get, I'm not even exaggerating, 20 different emails leading up to the podcast interview. And then as the interview starts, they're like, okay, Jennifer, let's talk about this. <laughs> and by the way, her name is Jessica, not Jennifer. So if you're going to request all the information in advance... Let's let's take like because I have a book and I know a lot of guests on podcasts are authors, but I've created a white paper so that people don't have to read the whole book and it's shorter and it's a synopsis of the book itself. And then when I get on the podcast, they're like, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I'm like, you asked me for I've even had podcasters ask for multiple copies of my book. But if you're going to ask for that stuff, I expect you to have done your homework, too. My name is not Jennifer. And I can lead an interview if you haven't done that homework, but it makes you look bad and it makes it look like you don't respect me and my time if you didn't read the information you requested in order for me to even audition to be a guest. So your book is called Good Enough Now, and I love some of the things that while interviewing you, you shared with me that podcasters have called your book. So I want to repeat the title of your book, and then you, t you tell me what various podcasters have referred to it on live interviews with you. The book is called Good Enough Now. Yes. And when you say live, it's recorded or video, but there are some that are Facebook live or YouTube live. So in the moment they are live and people will be like, Jennifer, you have such great message. You should really think about writing a book. My name is Jessica. Or they'll say like, your book is a bestseller. Not really. And I read it yesterday and it's called Enough Is It. I'm like, no, that, that is not what it's called. So Enough Is It has been one um, sort of enough that's been one. Um, never good enough. That is another one. And one, it's a detail, but it's really off message. And so if my message is doing the best you can with what you got some of the time, at least get my title right 
some of the time. That's fine. But one of those times needs to be your recorded podcast interview. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have to say I'm probably guilty of that. I struggle sometimes when I'm interviewing people with their names and I try very hard. Like if somebody has a name that's harder to pronounce or has sort of an ethnic background that maybe I'm not as familiar with, I will ask them before we go on to please say their name for me and then I'll rehearse it with them. But I've been on there where I've screwed up someone's name in the middle of it. And sometimes they'll correct me. Sometimes they'll just let it go. I mean, some people have a good sense of humor about it because it's never happened before. I was with you at a, a stand-up club. You you hadn't done stand-up in 15 years, and the person who introduced you called you uh, Jessica Petit, and then you looked at him and said, Pettit, and he took the microphone back and looked at the audience and said, welcome, Jessica Petit. Right, and the key there is I, your people are busy. If you're not going to read it, like I think that that's okay, but then set the interview up to be much more open. Don't pretend you've done your homework. If you haven't done your homework, a good open-ended question like, tell me about books. You don't even know if I have one, and then I can answer it as if I do, or a good book I've read lately. If you haven't done your homework, you can still have a good conversation, but don't fake it. Yeah, I often don't like the bios that people send me. So when people come on the show, I tell them beforehand, I've looked at your bio. I get the idea that, like in your case, you've done stand-up, you're a professional speaker, you're a diversity consultant. Uh, I'm, I just kind of wing it and go through the highlights. And then I let the person sort of introduce themselves to make sure that the most important part of them gets across. And so there are ways, I think, as, as a host to do that. But like I said, as a host, I'm guilty of making these mistakes. So what are things like if I know as a host, I've just made a mistake, I know I've just called you Jennifer or I've mangled your name. How would you say if I know I've made a mistake, what's the best way for me to recover? Well, what I think is best is just to own it, right? So, uh, Tom, you and I were at an event recently with speakers, and one of the speakers kept asking me, like, well, what do you do if you make a mistake, or what do you do if you forget? Well, we're all humans. We've all mis made mistakes, and we've all forgotten. So just say, wait a minute, your name's not Jennifer, right? Um, I did this when I was talking to a client the other day. I was talking about the University of Hawaii in Honolulu, and the school is actually called At Manoa. I'm probably not saying that right. Am I saying that right? Manoa? I think it's Manoa. Anyway, I realized- later, Just just own it either way. I know. What a good example, right? So then I realized, wait a minute, it's not at Honolulu. It's in Honolulu. It is at Manoa. So I sent an email and I said, hi, I'm sorry I screwed that up. And they were like, yeah, it happens all the time. But we have now engaged in three more conversations and are talking about possibly doing some work together because I was being authentic. Like you just made a mistake. It's going to happen. And sometimes it's actually kind of funny. And even as a guest, people call me Jennifer Petit all the time. But what an interesting thing that's not in my bio to be able to then open up a conversation and be like, does that happen to you a lot? Right. And then tell, tell me what people call you when they can't remember your name or how do they mispronounce it or how do you recover from this always happening? So the thing that, you know, you were sort of saying there is they ask you for a lot of information and they don't read it. Like, I don't ask for a lot of information. I just kind of ask for a bio and then we have a conversation. And the reason I don't ask for a lot of information is I don't always have the time to review it. Like, if they send me a book, I don't have time to read the book because I usually set my interviews up a couple days in advance. So, you know, what's the difference between that you've found between people who ask for a lot of information and review it and those who ask for a lot of information and don't review it? Well, interestingly, this kind of segues into the equipment thing too. So I fully understand that in order to do a podcast interview, you need a strong internet signal. You need good microphone or good sound quality and a good way of actually hearing the other person. I completely get that. 
So when you ask for information in advance, even if it's equipment based, like it's important for this to be a good show to set the show up for success. Give me this information and possibly like do what you can to have this be better, whether it's sound, internet, etc. But don't tell me that I need to buy a thousand dollar microphone in order to even be on your show or that I have to send you 25 copies of my book in advance. And then when I get on the interview, you didn't even know I had a book, right? Like think about what you're doing to your guest. And yes, your platform as a podcaster really matters, but your platform ain't nothing if you don't have good quality guests. And good quality guests want to have good quality interviews. So yes, you can request, this is the other one, you can request good sound, good internet. Don't tell me to buy thousands of dollars worth of equipment for a 30-minute conversation. And some people also use Skype instead of Zoom. And if you really are worried about internet connection, Zoom is high definition video. You can get an account for free, but it also holds on to internet connections better than Zoom. What did I say? You said Zoom, but holds on to better than Zoom. Oh, yes. Sorry. Zoom.us. I do not make any money off of them, but they should be because it is better video quality and it holds on to internet connections better than Skype does. So if you're telling me that this is important, get off Skype because it's not reliable for these kind of interviews. It is reliable for other things. So is WhatsApp and everything else. That's great, but not for podcast interviews. So I've moved all most of my podcast interviews over to zoom.us, but a lot of people actually have sort of this uh, thought that they as guests want to be on Skype. So sometimes the guests tell me what platform we're going to do this on, and I just try to be easygoing and I laugh. But I do agree that for me, I think Zoom is a better platform to be using. It's just ironic because usually what happens is it's the same podcaster who wants me to buy all of this fancy equipment in order to have a 30-minute interview on Skype. So is there anything else that you have? I mean, we sort of covered five points there. You kind of blurred them all together. They all blurred one into the other right there. And so why don't we review sort of what those five points were? And then I think you have sort of a bonus topic you want to talk about. Excellent. I might be a good interviewee if I can do this, right? So I blended together five kind of observations, I would say, not critiques. So number one is be organized and don't cancel. And if you do need to cancel, reschedule and have a plan for how you're going to do that. Number two is be clear whether or not it's going to be videoed, whether the video is actually live or it's being pre-recorded earlier, or if the video is just for eye contact. That's really important. And then if it's not going to be videoed, also let me know that so I don't rearrange my entire hotel room. Um, also, <laughs> what I wrote down in my notes is 1984 wants Skype back. Please <laughs> use Zoom. And be clear of what you mean when you say you need a good microphone, good headphones. I have found my Mac with very good internet connection and my wireless earbuds are fine for audio, microphone, and internet connection. That's fine. I don't need to buy an entire setup, certainly not for a 30-minute interview. And then if you do ask for all that stuff, use it, right? Same thing goes with the material that you request in advance from the guests, Either tell the guest up front, I don't have any time to do this. This is going to be an open interview and let the guest kind of drive where it needs to go or do your homework because you asked for it because the guest had to gather all that stuff. So what is the bonus topic? The bonus ones I would say is, is that some of the podcasters that I've reached out to have a pay to play model. And that's a little interesting to me. And there are definitely some podcasts where I feel like the theme of the podcast and my message 
and the interviewer skills and my skills as an interviewee could be a win-win for both of us, but not everyone. And I, it makes a little eyebrow go up, I guess. If you haven't been podcasting very long, you don't have very many downloads, you don't have amazing ratings on iTunes, you haven't been doing it for a long time, you don't have a broad reach to then be offering me something that you can give me that really just gets down to me also promoting the episode, that feels a little early. Yeah, I've seen a lot of new podcasters who are like, oh, I'd love to have you on my show and it costs $100, but with that $100, I'm going to tweet about it. Well, we all know that Twitter's effectiveness is kind of all over the map. And if you're Kim Kardashian and you want to tweet about me, uh, yeah, there's probably value on that. But if you're Bobby, the podcaster on episode nine, I really don't know with 35 followers, you know, I don't know that there's value in that. So people, I, I think they're praying, some some are, not everybody. I think there are some shows who have the legitimacy where it's probably worth it to pay to be on their show and they probably will get you eyeballs. However, I think there's a lot of people who are being told, you know, to sort of go out and look for people who haven't been on podcasts, tell them it's a marketing tool for themselves and then charge them to be on your show. And I'm afraid there's a lot of people who are who are throwing over either $25 or $2,500 and there's not a lot of value being provided uh, from what that show is doing. So what do you do when you run across somebody who who says, oh, yes, but you have to pay me? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a smart question. So first I would say if you really are going to try to be kind of a marathon guest is set up, what are your standards? What am I willing to pay for? And so I have a dollar amount that I would be willing to pay for. And I think what's important to understand is that in order for me to pay that, you're going to not, I don't need to be sold on your podcast. What I need to be sold on as a guest as why I'm going to, why I'm such a good fit, why my message is such a good fit for your theme, which means you're going to have to do your homework. So there's one in person who I'm not going to name specifically, even if you ask Tom, but it was $500, which is conveniently my, my top that I would ever even consider paying. It was $500 and I got a 17 minute sales pitch about all of the possible reach of these entire networks, not them, but the whole network, and how that would help launch my speaking career. Which, which of course, launched 15 years ago. Right. I mean, I'm Bonnie Raitt, right? Is that it took 15 years to become an overnight success. And I'm not saying that I don't still have work to do, but she didn't know that I'm actually already a speaker. I'm already a certified speaking professional and I work a lot. She didn't know that. She also said that it would help me launch a book if I ever had written one. Oops, which of course you've written several. Right. So when I find out all this information, I was like, no, I'm not interested. And then the the professionalism of like, oh, okay, and then move along. That's okay. You don't actually need to shame someone or start telling someone that they have bad business practices because they don't follow your particular business practices. And I think the last thing that I would say, because then what I want to do is flip this around, because I bet you have some things you'd like to say about what guests do that are bad. But the last thing I would say is, is that this has been a really wonderful experience for me. It has been great for me to hone my message. It's been great for me to extend my own network to really creative people who have follow through and are actually doing it. They're actually holding podcasts. So overall, it's been wonderful. And I think there's a couple of things that if podcasters could hear from a guest kind of externally, it's really easy to clean these things up. Let's let's do that, right? 
Well, I think podcast being a guest or guesting on podcasts, I think it's one of the best things that entrepreneurs can do. If you find shows that, that tie into what your message is and to the product or service that you sell, even if it doesn't have a huge reach, if just one person hears it, who's like, oh, that person sounds interesting. And then they connect with them online somehow. I mean, all of us who are solo openers and small businesses, we're all very tuned into the fact that sometimes the bluebird flies over our fence and poops business in our backyard. And sometimes we don't know where it came from. So I think it's a smart idea. The other thing is somebody who started a podcast uh, three years ago, one of the things that I am, am very aware of is it has been the best networking tool. Some of the people who I have met by having them on this show, some of those people have become absolutely some of my dear friends and business people. I've had people refer actual business to me because, you know, they've been a guest on this show. They got to know me. They found out what I do as a speaker in a master of ceremonies, and they've they've then, you know, referred me either to their company or to somebody else. So I think that the medium of podcasting is really a human to human thing. And I think that as a as a host and as a guest, we always have to remember that it's about that relationship between two people. And Tom, one of the things that you do that I think makes you a great host is that you're also a guest. You're also interested in being a guest. And I think being able to be a guest makes you a better host and being able to be a host makes you a better guest, right? So if somebody wants to have you on the show, because like I said, I know that some of my podcaster buddies listen to this. If somebody has to want have you on the show, where do they find out information about you? Sure. And if you think that my message fits your theme, let's do this, right? So I actually created a, a page on my website that is from all the information I've gathered so far of what has been requested all in one place. So goodenoughnow.com slash podcast. It has information, suggested questions, a white paper of my book, other podcasts that I've been on, my contact information, everything except my Skype name. Because <laughs> you don't want them just calling you. No, I just don't want to use Skype. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go forward with this episode, I have to thank the sponsor. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Jessica Pettit or Jennifer Petit. Hey, <laughs> hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do after this episode, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Jessica, I'm just going to turn this over to you. Yep. Now it is time for me to take my own medicine. So Tom Singer, you are a podcast host. What observations do you have about the biggest mistakes guests can make? So, you know, Jessica, it's really interesting because when I started the show, all I wanted to do was, you know, like have a successful show that maybe a few people might notice and listen to and get some value out of. All of a sudden this year, uh, the listenership has gone way up. But with that comes all of the pitches from all the people who want to be on the show and all the emails and all the stuff. So there's a lot of people who would like to be guests on my show. And I'm learning that over the last couple of years, a lot of PR companies have taken over telling their people, oh, you have to be on these shows, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I have a couple of mistakes I think people make both when reaching out and when they're actually a guest on the show and then after we've done the show. So I want to start off with one that sort of contradicts what you said. You said, hey, my Mac... You know, if I've got my wireless earphones in, uh, it's got a microphone built in, that gives me good enough sound. I'm actually going to challenge you on that. I think I did write a book called Good Enough Now. But <laughs> it might be good enough then, but not now. 
So one of the problems is, is that if we don't have good sound, I know from people who listen to the show, they turn off the episode. So if the sound isn't good, and it just has to be good enough, but the question is, where is that line? If the sound is tinny or it sounds far away, then the problem is, is people may listen to it. And most people who I talk to listen to this show while they're out for a run, they're out for a bike ride, they're out for a walk, or they're in the bathtub, or they're in their car. So it's while they're doing other things. And if they actually have to shift like brain power and give a few brain cells over to saying, okay, I can hear Tom totally well because he's on the main microphone, but now his guest is there and it's like, wah, 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 and I'm doing this, and, and uh, uh, the, my advice to the people is that they... If they have to think, even if they can hear it, if they have to put more thought into it, now they're going to crash their bicycle off of a bridge or you know slam their car into some children or drown in the bathtub. That's not good. They want to focus on whatever the other activity is that they have to do. So I actually think the first thing is invest in a simple microphone. And sometimes it can be even just a not expensive microphone. I have a little microphone that plugs into the bottom of my iPhone, and I actually record a lot of episodes just on that. It's not expensive. I think it costs $23 on Amazon, and I have Prime, so there wasn't even shipping. And it just plugs into the bottom of my phone, and I can record straight into my iPhone and it's not as good as when I'm using the equipment that I have in, in the fancy cool things entrepreneurs do studio, which is my daughter's bedroom, but it's good enough. However, I think sometimes just the wireless ones or the problem even bigger than that is when people just use the built-in microphone in their laptop and, by the way, they're at their office that doesn't have walls because it's all cubicles – or the one guy who I love him and he listens to the show, Mark, you know who you are, who decided to do the episode on his balcony and he lives by a park where apparently a lot of birds like to tweet and, and chime and fly by and the airplane traffic goes right over his head. That's a problem for my show. So this is very interesting, actually, because one of the pod, the, the, the podcasters that have talked to me about microphones, it's all these really expensive things. And I actually own one, like a real microphone you plug in or whatever. It's just at home. It doesn't live in my suitcase. But I have the $23 little lavalier thing that plugs into my phone. I didn't know that that would be ready, good enough now to be able to use in an interview. But that's actually better than my wireless Headphones? I'm learning. So I, I don't know because we're doing this live and in person, so you're using my fancy microphone, but possibly. And that's the whole thing is, is, is I would try it. And I will promise you that, yes, if you're going to be on CBS radio – you know, having really expensive equipment matters or, you know, to the credit of a great show that has millions and millions of downloads like, you know, Entrepreneur on Fire or something like that. I get it why his sound quality has to be really high. But some of the people who are asking you to make sure you've invested in a hundred dollar microphone by such and such a company, you know, or more. The problem with that is a lot of them are getting 52 downloads. I mean, this is not a problem for their show. People aren't not listening to them because of sound. They're not listening to them because nobody has ever discovered their show or maybe they don't have great content yet because it takes time to learn how to do interviews. So yeah, uh, I think you're probably okay with just about anything that plugs in. Well, that is actually really helpful and I appreciate that. Um, it also makes me wonder if some people's mothers are getting like a, a kickback every time somebody buys a $1,000 microphone. Okay, what's your next complaint? So again, that's not a complaint. It's an observation, as you said, but really it has to do with how the pitch comes in. So I get a lot of emails from companies, uh, PR people and others who basically th say things like, oh, you know, I represent Bobby Smith and she has just written a book. She has a PhD. She's so brilliant. Her knowledge will knock the socks off of your listeners. Well, 
I don't have a problem finding guests. And pretty much a lot of people who I run across in my day-to-day business as a speaker, people who I do business with, are actually really brilliant people. So I love people with great credentials. I love people who are doing really cool things. But to sell themselves by saying, my person is really smart or has written a book, doesn't really differentiate them. And I think the problem is, is that they lead with me. Here's why I'm so great or here's why the person I represent is so great. And I'm a nice guy. I try to answer those emails. But oftentimes, if I'm busy, I just skip them because it's not there. However, I was at a a program called the New Media Summit, which I'm actually going to be back at in April as part of the faculty. Uh, It's a podcaster's conference. And one of the things I said on a panel that I was on is I said, you know, if you're going to pitch yourself to a podcaster, this, this is about two people. This is about a relationship. So yes, I want to know that you have credentials. I don't want just anyone on my show. I want someone who's doing cool things as an entrepreneur. However, What's your side of the equation? Obviously, you want to be on my show because I have well over a thousand listeners per episode, sometimes a lot more than that. And that's great because you can get that PR level of putting it out there. However, what are you going to do for me? So I made a joke at the conference that nobody ever starts their pitch to me saying, by the way, if you put me as a guest on your show, like the first part, they'll tell me their credentials second, but nobody ever starts with, if you pick me as a guest on your show, I will promote the crap out of cool things entrepreneurs do. I will tweet it a hundred times. I will put it on, I will put the link to it on Facebook so many times that my friends from high school say, please stop telling us about cool things entrepreneurs do on Facebook. And then they say, I'll do it so much. You're going to call and say, I've tripled my listenership because of you. Please stop. I can't have that many people listening to the show. And I made a joke out of it, basically saying, come into this as a partnership. You do for me, I'll do for you. One person out of like 150 people in that audience sent me an email that was phrased exactly like that. I mean, it was almost comical. It's as if she had recorded me. I mean, maybe she did and actually wrote back everything I said. And and she was doing cool things. She had a business. She was an entrepreneur. And I just hit reply and said, you're on the show without even a question. So if you want to be on someone's show, don't just say I'm great because everyone who – I have never gotten an email pitch from somebody who says I am lame, I'm not an entrepreneur, the things I do are so uncool, I want to be on your show. Everyone who writes in says here's my credentials, I'm so great. Everybody starts to look the same. Lead with the partnership of how we can work together so that you can get on the show and that that you have will help me as well. Well, and that actually leads to what started the idea even to do this joint interview was that in order for me, when I pitch myself, I mean, I'm an author, I have a message, is that I listen, we talked about this, I listen to a previous episode, at least one, so that when we get on the phone or when we get on the email, I'm able to adjust my message to what it is they're talking about. Now, I think as a guest, it's my responsibility to make my message fit their podcast. But you were saying that one of the most annoying things is when people just show up and they haven't done anything. Yeah, I mean, that's my third point. It's listen to my podcast before we get on the show. Sometimes it's interesting because one of the questions I ask everybody is, hey, when you're on the show, uh, like the second to last question is, I think that entrepreneurs are great observers. Who is it that you admire? And sometimes people freeze on that question if they haven't read the the pre-questions I sent them and they literally go like, oh, wow, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I didn't know you were going to ask that. I ask every guest that because I think entrepreneurs are great observers. So I'm going to ask you, who in entrepreneurship do you think is doing something cool? If you say, I didn't know you were going to ask that, I'm under the impression you've never listened to my show. So if you're going to be on someone's show, invest the 30 minutes and listen to at least one episode. The best guests I have are people who are listeners of the show and have listened to 10 or 12 because they know where I'm going and what I want to do with it. And then they work in their sort of mojo with it. And it's much better that way. Excellent. What else you got up your sleeve? <laughs> this feels like therapy. Well, I mean, we kind of allied that and it's, it's, it's not aligning with that message of the show. So I want to talk in this about cool things entrepreneurs do. But the reason for that is I want to inspire people about entrepreneurship. So if every question I ask about, you know, how what, what led you from leaving corporate America to going into entrepreneurship, if every question doesn't have a piece of advice tied to it, if it's just like, oh, well, I was laid off. Well, that's nice. That happened to me too. But can we can we have a little more? I need to have some inspiration. I need to have some motivation. I need to have some sort of, of a takeaway that the guests can listen to. And if your whole message is, I've written a book and I want you to go to Amazon to buy it. I mean, have you ever listened to a podcast guest? That's all it is. is every question you have, well, in my book on page 37. And it's like, you know, hey, can you tell me about when you were in college? Well, when I was in college, I dreamed about writing a book that would... <laughs> You know, it's like, God, how do we work that in every single time? And you see this as a speaker. I mean, there'll be people who will like raise their hand in the audience and they'll say, I have a question because I wrote a book one time. And when I was writing the book, I, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, this has nothing to do with the audience in this room. This is you telling the audience, I have a product or a service. We're going to get to that. I, I mean, there's always a point where I say in, in the show, I always say, hey, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in your business? right now that's a great time for the guest to say well i've written a book and i yeah. think it's really cool well and that's actually what as a guest not to steal your thunder in your piece but i learned this from listening to your shows before being guest on your shows. so i have a rule as a guest i don't mention my book they have to ask me about it now sometimes they bring it up by saying hey you should think about writing a book and then i have to make them look good and then do my book but if i let the interview do it they're driving the other thing is, is that we've talked about some other podcasters that don't ask good questions. So they're not, they don't lead to inspiring answers. As a guest, that is my job then, is to actually provide some meat and to provide some action and provide some inspiration because they might not be a very strong interviewer. Well, and that's, you know, like everything. So people often ask you and me, they say, oh, I want to become a professional speaker. How does someone do that? Well, part of it is it takes experience. Now that I've given over 700 keynotes and, and other types of sort of professional level presentations, there are things I can do on stage that I could not have done five or 10 years ago. It's just, it's an experience driven thing. Same thing with this show. We don't really have a script right now. I mean, we made a couple notes about our five points, but I couldn't have done that on episode three of cool things entrepreneurs do because I would have been scared of, oh my God, where's this going to go? I don't really care where this is going to go because I know that we're going to be able to have a conversation, you know, sitting here at a table, you know, like if, if we were, you know, sitting in a bar eating chicken. So I knew that, that now I know that because I've done 340 something shows. So a lot of people, when they start their shows, and I was guilty of that and not even guilty, I just did it this way. They're very formulatic in what their questions are, but sometimes the guest says something really interesting. The podcaster has to be able to go deeper. And pull more out. Whoa, 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 whoa. And the best episodes I've ever done on the show, according to people who listen, are when someone says something and I push them and I push them and I push them and then we get the meat. So I think the same thing is true for the guests. If the host, if I don't take you where you need to go, 
you need to to work it in. So there is a skill. I think the fact that you're intentional this year about being on 52 shows, I think you're going to be a better guest in December than you were in January because you're going to learn those things along the way too. So that's another piece of advice sort of for people who are going to be on shows. And that is, you know, track how many shows you've been on. Because if you tell me I've been a guest on, you know, a lot of shows, that helps me be more comfortable. Now, if you've been on 475,000 shows, I may not be as interested, you know, as if you've been on 100 shows, but I would rather have a guest who has been on 50 or 100 shows than somebody who has been on one just because of that comfort level. And uh, because you are now taking this up as a, a up and coming stand up comic, because you've been doing this. Yes, because I have done open mic night twice, once for five minutes and once for two. Yeah, gets harder when it's a shorter period of time. But as a guest, I'm more inspired by what kind of questions you're going to ask me because you're trying something new. And by trying something new, you're also going to be a little bit more flexible than just a script. Well, and that's, I mean, it's so interesting because you brought up the the stand-up com- comedy. I'm actually going to do an entire podcast of what I've learned from going to these two open mic nights because it has been, I mean, I talked to so many people who say, oh, I've always wanted to do, I mean, probably like a third of the people I know are like, God, you're so, you're so gutsy. Uh, I've right. always, <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. Well, I talked about this when I was 25 years old. My, the guy who was like one of my best friends when I was 25, he was one of the first people I emailed when I did it, even though I don't keep in touch with him that much anymore because he knew, because he used to say, well, let's do it. Let's write a set and go. But I was always scared. I never did it. Part of what I teach in this whole paradox of potential stuff that I go about, one of the major pieces of advice is try new things. And I try very hard not to often be a hypocrite. So since I teach people try new things, this has fallen into that box. And I'm doing the same thing with this show is I'm trying new formats. I'm trying to do things differently because I think we have to push ourselves out if we want to be better. And so I think for guests, you have to be willing to leave your own script of promoting your product or service and talk with the host like he's a human being and you're eating chicken and having a beer. Right. Now I want chicken. And do you have any more observations? So I've got one more and it sort of goes back to yours. One of yours was podcasters who cancel on the guest at the last minute. So one of mine, my final of my five things that I observed that that uh, guests make is rescheduling or canceling at the last minute. So I'm not one of these people. I, I cited John Lee Dumas, who I is a, a hero of mine in the podcasting world. I cited John Lee Dumas because he and I interviewed each other like three years ago. He was an early guest on this show, and we scheduled the interviews where he interviewed me, and then I interviewed him, or maybe it was vice versa. And after we finished, we had a nice little chat, and I said, so, John, when will this air? And the interview, I'm making up the dates, but the interview was like February 15th, and he said it will air May 23rd. And I literally like gasped for air because he does a a seven-day-a-week show. And I'm like, that's like three and a half months away. And he's like, yes, that's how many I have in the can. When will our share Uh, show air. And I interviewed him on a Wednesday and I said, tomorrow. Yeah. So I am not quite as uh, thinking ahead as John Lee Dumas. (laughs) Part of that reason is, is that I like things to be fresh and flow and maybe it can be a little topical. Uh, The other thing is, is that I'm not nearly as organized. He does like eight shows every Monday. So he ends up getting, you know, every couple of weeks, he gets a week ahead. I don't do it that way. So sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I have to have the show to the producer by three o'clock today or the show won't air, you know, quick, who can be on the show? So if I've scheduled you for a Wednesday, it's quite possible that is my Thursday or my next Tuesday show. And that surprises a lot of guests because a lot of people are months after you do it. I mean, I've been on shows that have come out. I literally had a show come out the other day. I didn't even remember what I said. I did the interview like five months ago and I was like, have things changed? I don't know. 
Uh, so for me, if you cancel on me, I now don't have a show and I have may have only had that hour in my calendar between now and when my deadline was. So it's really important if you're going to be a guest on my show that you block that time and you, and you mean it, especially for somebody who does their show because they're disorganized at the last minute. Yeah. Well, it's interesting is that that makes me think is one of the, the interviews that I did last week is going to air in June. And it's a politics show, and I'm supposed to talk about politics. It airs in June. and So a political show is putting three months in the can? Yeah, that's what they said. And so that, that would be like Saturday Night Live filming, you know, like in 1997 to air tomorrow. It makes no sense. I agree. And I wonder if there's some kind of like gravitas of the, the show posting further out makes you look more like a baller podcaster. I appreciate as a guest when it's quicker, but I, I know that that may not always be possible. I wonder if there's gravitas and or disorganization involved, or it really does just take that long. I don't know. I don't run a podcast. So I think it depends on on sort of the purpose behind it and everything. Everybody's very different. And I go to some of these podcaster meetups and, and it's an interesting crew of people. People do it for a lot of different reasons. And some people have found out great ways to monetize it. Uh, some people have a little bit of advertising. Some people get spinoff business like I do. And I don't think a podcast is a podcast is a podcast. I think it's a lot like this business of being a professional speaker. From the outside looking in, people think, oh, well, you're a professional speaker. Well, your business, your business and my business couldn't be more different. In you know, if we mapped them out, if you, if I came from Mars and I looked at your business and mine, it would be like, oh, these are two entirely different professions, maybe. So same thing is true with the podcast. So I I, I don't know why people get so far ahead. It's not my style, but I respect it. I mean, I, I kind of wish I had this you know all recorded for the next year. But I I think no matter how you do it, if I've blocked my calendar, you have to be respectful. Now that doesn't mean I've never canceled. Things come up. There's family emergencies. Things happen with your kids. Yes, but it tends to happen often. And that gets me wondering, you know, you know, where people's priorities are. So you actually uh, showcased a moment for when podcasters want me to be their guest, which I'd highly recommend. But there's possibility that some people get this as a one shot show says, Oh, no, 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 you, you have a podcast thing coming up, just listen to this show. So why don't you share what can we do to subscribe to this podcast? Can't like how do the stars and ratings and downloads and all that stuff work? What can we do to help cool things entrepreneurs do and your show? So I, I don't know the full algorithms of iTunes or these these other things. And of course, like all good tech companies, they change their algorithms every four minutes to stay one step ahead of all of us. But from what I understand, the most important thing that you can do to promote cool things entrepreneurs do is to subscribe on iTunes if you're an Apple user. And most people still listen to podcasts on the Apple platform. So subscribe to the show, click the subscribe button, and then continuously log on to it, even if you don't listen, and just let it download to your phone because it's that subscription and then the episodes actually being downloaded to your phone that matter and then leave a review preferably a five-star review but whatever tell be honest about how do you feel about the show do you think we provide value and when people do that those are the things that kind of add to the algorithms but i don't you know my show's not the top rated show i don't really chase that stuff what you can really do to help me is if you've listened to this episode or any episode and you like it Tell a friend who's in business who is an entrepreneur or a solopreneur or somebody who's hungry because their ladder's against the wrong wall in the corporate world. Tell them, hey, listen to a few episodes of this, and, and that would be great. That's wonderful. It's a great image if your ladder is against the wrong wall, right? And maybe that's a, a, a parting lesson for guests is that there's some podcasts that you are leaning up against that you shouldn't be, and there's really good opportunities that you should be. 
So Jessica, thank you so much for jumping on here. I said we were going to do a short, like 20 minute show. We are at 47 minutes, which is totally shocking with the two of us talking. However, I think if you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking about starting your own show, or if you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking about getting really serious about being a guest on a show or both, I think this episode is the golden nugget for you. I think that there's going to be a lot of things here that will make you better at playing in the podcast pool. If you're somebody who this doesn't matter to you at all, my guess is you dropped out of this episode long before the 47-minute spot. So, Jessica, thanks again for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me all these times. I want my jacket and some chicken. (laughs) There you go. And for all of you who listen, I say it every single show. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we have the show? It wouldn't exist. It's all because of you. You can follow us on Facebook. There is the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do page. On Twitter, at Cool Podcast. You can find me directly on any of the social medias. I'm just Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R. And then if you want to get involved with the group coaching program, now is the best time ever to join the Potential Mastermind Project. Just go to PotentialMastermind.com. It's so unaffordable. It will freak you out and you will say, please, please let me join. And uh, I will. So join now. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Jessica Pettit. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.